Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Well, good morning. It's Real Presence Live this morning with Roxanne Solon and your co-host, along with my fabulous co-host. Aaron Bosch. Hello, nice to see everyone again. We're in the Fargo studio this morning where there's a lot of road construction. It's that time of the year. I guess they have to rush in and, and get all that done in the in the nice weather that we have for like a month. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have any spring, so now we're getting all the summer construction this time of year. So it's we have pretty to run crazy. through it. Yeah. yeah, looks like every house has been dug out. They must be doing some kind of a... A plumbing, I don't know what it is, but anyway, so had a hard time finding my way into the studio this morning, but here I am, so glad to be here, and uh, how's, how's how things been going for you? Oh, very good. Again, I've been actually enjoying being able to get out into the nice sunny weather finally, because this was something that I was, I was praying very hard this whole winter, because it kept dragging on, like, God, I just need some spring, like, please just give it to me, and so, and I... He finally gave it to me, and I have been able to. I've actually been walking to the gym, even instead of driving there. And nice. it's about a 1.5 mile walk there, and then another back, about three miles round trip. And I've been doing that recently. Nobody so I, appreciates spring like people from the north, I think. And oh, especially for sure. after a winter like this one, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, I so. know. My husband and I got to, through his work, we got to go to Mexico for a week, a couple of weeks ago. So that was, got to really seep our, our toes into that warmth and it was beautiful out there on the Caribbean Sea. So Okay, what part of Mexico, if I can ask? Um, it was uh, Playa del Carmen. It's kind of a newer area. It's um, like, I think, on the Belize side okay, of, yep. of Mexico. So All right, I'm decent beautiful. at geography. I know exactly where that is, okay. or at least close enough. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was gorgeous, so... Anyway, here we are, and we have our first guest on the line already waiting for us, so go ahead and introduce him. All right, our first guest here is Luke Peckrell. Luke, could you uh, introduce us a little bit uh, to yourself to get our audience acquainted with you? Yeah, uh, nice to be on. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is, uh, again, Luke Peckrell, and I'm a new convert living in Walm, Minnesota. Uh, we moved here from, actually, speaking of um, Central America. We moved here from Central America like uh, uh, five years ago now, uh, and then came into the church. Um, I came into the church four years ago, right after coming back. So uh, new to the church, and not totally new to the area. I grew up in Wisconsin, so just next door, mm-hmm. and I have some family in town. Okay, and then what part of Central America were you in? I'm curious now. I was in Nicaragua for almost 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Fascinating. And was that like just uh, moving there for like just to live or was that like a missionary thing or what was the uh, context of that? Yeah. So, I mean, that's actually a little bit a part of our my journey, but I was doing humanitarian aid work. Uh, it was, oh, I grew up uh, Lutheran and, but wanted to be a little bit more active, but it, I was working with a Christian organization, but it wasn't really, we weren't spreading the gospel or anything like that. It was mostly straightforward, clean water, rural education. A bit more economic to, Yeah, that kind of stuff. So I did that for about 10 years. Okay, very interesting. And so, 
again, that's a great place for us to start here today. So again, you and your family entered into the church and you had been doing this sort of, again, not quite missionary work, but like economic assistance in Central America. You were Lutheran, that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. when you and your family entered into the church, could you just tell us a little bit more about that? Because I believe uh, the timeline here is it starts with you and then everyone kind of follows the leader into the church there. Yeah. So the... I'll try not to give the super long version, but basically I, growing up, even in the Lutheran Church, I, uh, I have always had a lot of questions, mm-hmm. uh, especially around, uh, you know, how it is that we grow in holiness, how are we supposed to love one another, what's the importance of that, or, um, and so I even, like, uh, I remember as early as eighth grade, uh, I almost didn't get confirmed because I just wasn't, I wasn't sure about uh, I had some questions about, you know, the problem of evil and things like that. So I, I was, I've always had a lot of questions, and kind of along the way, I felt like the, the Catholic Church had answers for me, and I appreciated the answers, but I wasn't necessarily interested in the Church, per se. So I, you know, I was, but I was kind of driven by the question of how we grow in holiness and what it means to love each other. So we... um I ended up going to school for humanitarian aid work. That's what I got my master's in. And um, I eventually, I left the Lutheran Church maybe when I was um, in my mid-20s. And uh, was kind of just doing a Jesus and me, just mm-hmm. trying to love the poor and have a, you know, uh, relationship with Jesus and, you know, live out that in faith. And But all along the way, it was kind of, you know, I had questions about how does actually, how do we grow in love? and the Catholic Church had answers about, you know, virtue and what is it, you know, what is the relationship between grace and our own free will and all those kind of things. And there were like these little milestones along the way, and the Church always seemed to have the answers there. So I was, um, but it was, at that time it was very, so I graduated, went to Nicaragua, was working in Nicaragua, um, had spent a lot of time there, and in 2018 there was a social uh, uprising where essentially the, there were some protests around Social Security and the government cracked down and killed a bunch of protesters and there, you know, it was, civil war is too strong, it wasn't a civil war, but basically it was kind of, uh, the streets were torn up, they were shooting in the streets, it was pretty uh, uh, unstable situation to put it, massive unrest. Uh, so my family and I came back, and that was just, it was a very difficult time and for the whole country and for us, because you kind of see, you know, what you feel like is years of progress kind of go up in smoke in just a matter of days and kind of see society unraveling. So that was really difficult. But in the midst of all of that was the Nicaraguan bishops were... Um, they ended up being mediators between the government and kind of most of the rest of civil society. And it was kind of, as everyone was going, trying to understand, just trying to understand what was happening and what to make of it and what it all meant, they were able to walk that line between speaking the truth in love, um, not being afraid to speak to uh, truth to power if it was necessary, um, asking for mercy, but justice as well, and it was kind of their witness that I remember watching um, Bishop Silvio Baez's son, watching him on 
Facebook and thinking in that moment that the, you know, the Catholic Church had had answers for me. They had kind of led me all the way to this point. And, you know, even though I still had some questions, again, it had helped me kind of make sense of this difficult situation. But in that moment, I saw it as I was attracted to the church, you know, to the the church itself, not just the answers that the church had to give. So um, we ended up having to come back. But in that moment, I, you know, I said, well, I think I can, I can trust the Holy Spirit. You know, if I'm 95% of the way there, I can trust the Holy Spirit to bring me the other 5%. So I came back and joined RCIA. I was, that was the spring of 2018, joined RCIA that fall and came to the church um, the following year. So, um, Luke, I have, me, a, the, I have a question the, about yeah, your family. Mm-hmm. Um, when did they come along on the journey as far as, uh, did, did you go, were you married before you went over there? I was. So okay. I was, yeah, I was married. I got married both my, um, we, my wife and I both grew up uh, Wells Lutheran. Um, so we actually met, there's a, a college for uh, Wisconsin Lutherans in town here, and that's where we met. I was thinking of being a pastor. So we met here, we got married, she came down to Nicaragua with me. Um, we had our first three boys in Nicaragua. And she, when I came into the church, she was not at all, she didn't have any plans to come into the church. But it was important to her to worship as a family, so she said, well, I'll try out RCIA as a place to get answers to my questions, but like, I'm not making any promises. Like, I'm not just going to join the church because you joined the church. So she actually, she came in, she started ICA the next fall after I joined the church. And um, and she, uh, and it was actually the handmaids here in town that really kind of led her along her own journey. Interesting. And so, it, yeah, it was, it was a touch and go for a while, but, it, you know, the Holy Spirit stepped in um, as needed, and... They um, and so she ended up coming to the church with our three boys. So they all came uh, in at once the following year. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. I just know during from, COVID time, so it was oh, an interesting wow. time to come in. <laughs> yeah, and I was kind of having a reversion. I didn't really leave the church, but I married a non-Catholic, and and I know kind of some of the tensions that when I came more fully into my faith and started getting really more energized about it and kind of going in that direction more fully. I know there's tensions in a marriage. How did you kind of work around that and, and, and work through it, I guess? Yeah, I think it was, um, I don't know that it actually, there were so many tensions. I mean, she was just happy to see, She was, I think part of the reason why she thought about it is just that she had known that I had questions for so, that was always a part of our, she knows that I was always a part of my journey. And so she just saw the, kind of the peace that I had after so, you know, almost not hoping that that, you know, there's ever going to be a resolution of, you know, where I was supposed to be. Um, So when I came into the church and she kind of saw that, that made a big impact on her. So it wasn't, and I, I wanted her, I thought it was important for her to, for it to be for her that she, you know, this is about her relationship uh, with God and that, you know, whatever questions you have, if you decide to come in, great. If you don't, you know, the Holy Spirit has its has its plans. I thought, you know, coming from a Protestant church, that felt actually a lot. It was one of the things that was different. The handmaids, when the, our first RCIA meeting, they kind of said, you know, if this is your time, great. 
if you decide you go through this process and you decide you're not ready, that's okay too. Like there wasn't any the same kind of urgency, like, you know, you need to have your come to Jesus moment now or you're not going to be saved. There's just kind of a, I mean, maybe that comes from being 2,000 years old, you know, and uh, just having a sense that it will, the Holy Spirit will bring you here in the end. So I wouldn't say it was like an angsty process for us. I mean, hard, you know, hard questions and soul searching and, um, you know, there were some difficulties, but it wasn't, I wouldn't say there was a lot of tensions in our marriage per se. That's really great to hear. And again, you're talking about, so again, you're starting out, or should say, you were in Nicaragua for about 10 years. There was all these different things going on there, mm-hmm. the struggles and unrest. And then mm-hmm. there's also some reflection that of your family is going through these different changes and shifts and you're back in the U.S. and then you're trying to figure out mm-hmm. what this whole Catholicism thing means and that. So I yep. think we're hitting on a lot of, again, there's a lot of joys and struggles in conversion. Could you maybe point out, were there any like uh, episodes that stuck out to you as very like important uh, for like really positive or maybe really negative things that if you're trying to convert and like figure all this out was there anything that really stuck out in your head as like a pivotal moment once you were back in the u.s yeah i mean i would say strangely the often the struggles end up being the biggest joy so i mean one of the big things for us was kind of the theology of the body mm-hmm. stuff and um and what it meant to plan your family and live chastely and all of that so i mean and obviously with big implications but um i so i think that was us talking about that you know was that was a big thing but then you know we both uh decided to you know we trusted and uh you know now we've got two more kids and it's been amazing i would i mean i feel like we feel like it was such a huge grace that um you know that the the church was able to kind of lead us into that truth and and um and now we've got you know now we've got a uh, another son and another daughter and uh we couldn't be happier so may i ask uh, how many kids yeah. you have total then i'm trying to keep track here five i think right? uh, five? five okay that's what i thought <laughs> five now yeah that's a great number yeah it's a handful i have yeah. five as well but there we have our last one getting ready to 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 launch now so it it goes fast so hang on hang on to those years even though they're chaos <laughs> so <laughs> yeah we will we're talking to it's Luke. been great, actually. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, we're talking to Luke Peckerel. He is uh, from the New Ulm area, and he's talking about his uh, conversion. But we're going to talk a little bit more after this break about a little bit of Eucharistic revival. So hang on, and we will be right back after this break with more Real Presence Live and Luke Peckerel from New Ulm. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. 
Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus crosses the Sea of Galilee with his disciples and quickly falls asleep, even as their boat is amidst a huge, life-threatening storm. The text says that the sea was literally shaking like an earthquake. Imagine the disciples' fear as they awake their master saying, Master, do you not care that we perish? Note that they wouldn't have been in this dangerous situation if they had not gotten in the boat to begin with. They are committed, no matter how big the storm. After setting sail in his boat of radical missionary discipleship, it can often seem that God is asleep or uncaring when we are troubled by the storms of life. The good news is that he is in fact always there and always ready to calm the storm when the time is right. Sometimes the storms are there to show us our total dependence on him and not on ourselves. Jesus, we trust in you. Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live here. Again, co-host Aaron Bosch and my other co-host here. Roxanne Solonen. All right. And we're talking with Luke Peckrell, who is a uh, recent convert here, who has done a wide variety of work with um, both the church and then also just conversion and various things. And we were talking about before the break that, uh, Luke, you had been in Nicaragua for 10 years and I was talking to you here oh, during the break, and we found out that, what was the name of the one bishop that you were telling me about here? Uh, Rolando Alvarez. Yes, and he's the one who, uh, again, he refused to leave Nicaragua, correct? That's right. So there were, um, uh, right before the last elections, they jailed all the opposition presidential candidates. Um, that was a, like maybe a year ago. And then along with them, the... The, the government saw the Nicaragua, the Catholic Church, as kind of really the only institution of any weight that mm-hmm. was um, not kowtowing to them. And so they uh, started jailing, you know, they would shut down churches and jailing priests and, you know, foreign priests went led into the country. But eventually, they, Rolando Alvarez was, uh, Bishop Alvarez, he was jailed on some, you know, uh, fake charges, you know, of, you know, subverting the national unity or something yeah, like that. Some other silly thing. And, yeah, and so all of the other political prisoners that were jailed, all the presidential candidates and things, eventually there was an agreement where they were, they all got on a plane and were exiled to the United States, which, you know, on one hand, very thankful that they're not uh, in a Nicaraguan prison anymore, um, but he refused to go. So he was sentenced to 26 years in a Nicaraguan prison, I think that was less than a year ago, so he's serving that sentence now, so uh, prayers for him. You just yes. think without Christ's witness, you know what I mean? No one, no one could do that without that, that witness of, of going to his death and being crucified. That, that's the one thing that's held them in their place and given them the inspiration, right, to, to continue on. Think of all the, the apostles and how they were executed mm-hmm. and how they died, and it's just... It's just amazing to really realize that this is happening right now, you know, and that you were a part of that, Luke. So thank you for sharing that that story. 
Yeah, and part of the reason yeah, I'm so uh, curious about that is that, again, I wanted to ask a little bit about differences between your previous church and current church and all that sort of thing, because obviously at Catholics, we seem to have the most visible clergy of almost any church on the planet. It, it seems like usually yeah. if there's going to be a government crackdown, they come for us first before anybody else, mm-hmm. which I guess either we're an easy target, which maybe because we're so visible or because we cause the most trouble or maybe both, you know, <laughs> trouble for people who maybe deserve a little bit of trouble. But uh, the reason I want to ask about that is because I know that there's often, you know, like religious persecution, and, you know, even in Central America where we think, oh, everyone's Catholic, but a lot of those countries have socialist origins or that sort of thing. So it ends up being this big tension. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the church is often the only institution that stands against any of these governments down there. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. did you notice like any big difference? Like, or is the, are the Protestant churches who are there, are they underneath the same kind of persecution or is it really Catholics who are holding the line on that? What is, what's the big difference that you've noticed since coming into the church? Yeah, so, I mean, in Nicaragua, I would say, no, the the Protestant churches haven't come under the same kind of persecution. And I think that, you know, probably comes from a difference in theology. You mm-hmm. know, they don't necessarily see the church as having a place in the public sphere and speaking to, you know, uh, and so it's easier to say, you know, like, you know, the government's doing what it's doing and, you know, and we'll do our own thing. I don't want to, I don't aim to judge anyone, but um, it was, it's been the Catholic Church in particular that has, um, that has received virtually all of the persecution. I doesn't mean aside from, you know, opposition political candidates and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that's, again, we're, yeah. we're such a public institution as a church. It's very unique in that mm-hmm. sense that that's usually how things go. So I want to make sure I asked about that because I'm assuming mm-hmm. I've, I've been Catholic my entire life. And so that just seems mm-hmm. like, oh, that's part and parcel of being Catholic. There's going to be some government somewhere mm-hmm. that wants to get rid of you. But that might be a totally unique experience for someone coming from a Protestant church. Yeah, I would say, I mean, it was being a part of, I think, yeah, I wouldn't have articulated it in those words exactly, but seeing, you know, seeing the visible church um, trying to uh, live out uh, God's kingdom in the in the world in a you know in a public um, dispute and being able to mediate that and you know inject love into this you know a very complicated messy situation with you know a lot of wisdom and tact and. Um, you know, making sure that there's it's there's mercy as well as a desire for justice and all of that. It was I'm mean, just seeing their wisdom in action, which you know comes from the church's theology, but you know the um, kind of the whole integrated picture um, was really impactful. Um, Luke, you know, would I just you say got that all at once. would you say I'm assuming yes, but I want to hear your answer. Would you would you say that yeah. impacted your conversion, like having witnessed that and then coming back and kind of reflecting on it all? Did did that have did that do something to your heart because you had these questions and you were having some of those mm-hmm. answered but then this is different when you're seeing something actually lived out like a life and death situation. Yeah, I think it was like I said at the beginning of I think for me it was kind of, you know, I have a relationship with Jesus, it's kind of a Jesus and me kind of thing. And then out of that I live out, you know, I try to love people in the world. And, you know, maybe, you you know, you tell people about the gospel, but to kind of see the Church as Christ's body, again, as a, a public institution that is actively engaged in trying to, you know, bring about a civilization of love, was just, and, you know, obviously coming from a humanitarian background, you know, I'd like to 
in the material world. I'm hoping to see I'm working for people's material well-being. And that was very relevant, you know, during this uprising with a lot of people being killed and the whole economy being shut down and everything. And, you know, I'm thinking, I think probably came from the perspective, like, you know, you have your faith life and you have your public life and those things, you know, one informs the other, but it's not necessarily, they're not necessarily integrated, you know, it's kind of like your faith is a motivation. And I don't think I could put it concisely, but the... In the church, I saw that God's vision for what the church was meant to be was just much more holistic and integrated than that. You know, like thinking of Rolando Alvarez right now. I mean, he's really joining his sufferings to Christ right now. And, I mean, who would think, beside, you know, outside of a Christian context, that some that, you know, sitting in a prison for mm. 20 years is a way to transform the world. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's what he's doing. So, I'm assuming there's um, there's yeah, some just, uh, there's some lead in here to the Eucharist that was vital too, right? So. Yeah, I was planning on because <laughs> yeah. another very uniquely yeah. Catholic thing is the Eucharist. Uh, yeah. Obviously, a lot of other churches don't have anything to at least to the extent. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not even sure if any other. Mm-hmm. I know Orthodox might be the slightly closest one that has something similar to like mm-hmm. the real presence that we believe in. So, yeah. was how was that affected your faith? Because again, that's something that's very occasionally either very fascinating or very difficult or sometimes both for Protestants trying mm. to come into the church, like understanding that yeah. this is God. This is, we see God liter- mm. quite literally in physical form at every single mm-hmm. mass that we have. So what was that like and how did that impact your conversion? Yeah, I think that my experience might be a little bit unique among Protestants because the Wells Lutherans that we, that we were raised as do believe in the real presence in a way. It's okay. not full transubstantiation. It's, I think they call it consubstantiation. Hmm. Um, but they do believe that Christ is really present um, um, and when you're taking communion. And again, there are, are there are differences. It's not, they're not all the way there, but, you know, you do believe that, you know, Christ is, you are receiving, receiving Christ's body and blood. So that wasn't actually a big jump from from being a Wells Lutheran to being a Catholic when it came to the Eucharist. I would say the full theology of the real presence really changed my devotional life. You know, so being, you know, as kneeling when you go into church, um, Eucharistic adoration, having, again, you're kind of our, it's not going to pray in front of, you know, Christ himself is a whole different experience from, you know, just think, you know, feeling like it's all in your head. So a little mm-hmm. bit like what we were saying with the, you know, the church in the public sphere having, you know, the sacraments are thinking about the sacraments and, and thinking of them as central to your, uh, to one spiritual life feels like a big, it does feel like a big shift because I would say, you know, growing up in a Lutheran church, it is while they did accept the theology, the real presence, it is really, there's a lot of pressure on believing the correct things. Yeah, and um, what has you know, your family's yeah. experience been of that as well? Have they noticed that change and difference? Because again, when you're starting from this particular kind of Lutheran that you're, it's like you're kind of 75% mm-hmm. there, for lack of a better term, and then there's a, that last quarter is a very big difference. So what has their experience, like, have they said anything to you about that? Uh, my immediate family or my extended family? 
Uh, I guess both, if anyone like, has any commentary, or like yeah, the people who came so, to the church, if you were maybe the ones who stayed outside, if they're like asking questions or sure. curious. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I could say this is the biggest change, but one of the things that my wife and I noticed when we came into the Catholic Church was just that what's happening in the Mass is valid, you know, regardless of, what, you know, you're going to Mass with little kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like it doesn't, even if I don't get the whole homily or whatever, the what is happening there is objectively valid and important, regardless of what's happening subjectively with me. Mm-hmm. And that's just a big, that's a, it's a big shift. And um, it feels like it makes it less, I feel like less me-centered, kind of, that, you know, Christ is doing his work in the world and he's trying to draw me into it, rather than, um, yeah, feeling like it's all about my own, it's all about my own journey. I think for a while it felt like my whole spirituality was just about my journey and believing the right things and get my questions answered, and now it feels like I just get to be part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. And that ties in again to your experiences in Nicaragua. You were talking about a lot of the Protestant churches are much more like personal journey focused. That's sort of thing, but not really public institutions. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to really go out and you know truly change the entirety of the world in a sense. Like they're looking for individuals, which mm-hmm. is good. But again, you're not quite fully mm-hmm. there like Catholics are. So it's very interesting to hear yeah. that. Again, that root theology and spirituality it all ties into just the outlook on life and how the operations of the institutions of the church work and all that sort of thing. So it's mm-hmm. very very interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, Luke, it's been a pleasure. We could talk for longer, but we're at the end of our our time here. So thank you so much for giving us your time, and maybe we'll have you on again to to share more about uh, that experience and that conversion and also the the Eucharist, which has become an important thing for you. We are going to talk to Nellie Edwards, who is the famed artist of the Mother of Life, a Catholic depiction, and we will be right back with more of that after this break. So stay tuned to Real Presence Live. Live. Engaging and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 